Welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we bring you up to speed with the key drivers and trends in agricultural markets. My name is Olivia Agar, and we're keeping today's episode in-house with Mercado's Managing Director, Robert Herman, joining me to chat about what we're seeing in grain, wool and sheep markets. So it's been a pretty confusing week to say the least with currency, stocks and some commodity markets jumping around trying to keep up with whatever on earth is going on with the US election. And then there's the talk of China trade disruptions and whether there might be more bans or tariffs coming our way for products like sugar, wheat and lobster. Now we are recording this Friday at around midday and as yet there's still no official statement to confirm these. So we'll let it lie until we hear otherwise. But outside of politics, there's still plenty happening in our key agricultural markets. So let's jump straight into it. Thanks so much for joining me again on the podcast today, Rob. It's been a pretty big week, lots of talk on politics and and watching numbers scroll around screens, but also plenty going on on agricultural side of things, uh, particularly weather in the grain market. Can you tell us a bit about what's been happening there this week? Well, I think uh, everybody's a little bit mesmerised by some of these movements. But in, in the grain market, one of the things that does shake the market around a little bit is changes in, in the weather or changes in moisture. And uh, even though in the Northern Hemisphere we're, we're not in you know, the critical growing phase, we're, we are in, an, in a time when people are planting uh, people are looking at moisture um, in the soil and they're making sort of decisions for a long time out uh, or making predictions for a long time out as to what impact that's going to have on the harvest. So that moves the market around and we saw that this week. Uh, so weather is a, is, a, um, is a thing that not only do we look at here but all around the world because, you know, obviously grains and oil seeds and pulses are a global commodity. So what happens in growing areas affects everybody. And what are some of the weather impacts that we've seen in recent weeks that have been driving the market? Well, we've got um, we've had, we've had for some time a growing influence out of Russia and the Black Sea on global supply, and uh, and they're reporting, you know, that one week they're reporting things aren't so good, and then of course the weather next weather report comes through and there's a bit of rain. So we're just seeing the market jump around, and and given that we've got we've spoke about this before, where we've got this big Chinese appetite to accumulate grain and oil and beans and corn all around the world. Um, things are tight and things are testy, so the market jumps around and uh, it probably just re-emphasises to farmers here in Australia that while you know a good crop is really important to their revenues, keeping one eye on what's happening on markets uh, around the world is also important. Yeah, you're definitely right there, Robin. And what sort of impact is that having on prices that we're seeing for grain? Well, I think we're um, probably generally a little bit surprised as how strong Australian prices are this year, given that, you know, for some time now we've now got a big crop coming and then we've lived through 2020 or most of 2020 now where things have been really uncertain. So the bottom line is that, you know, the wheat prices and the canola prices at levels they're at now are very good. I was interested in reading a report out um, this week where the general comment was that there's an expectation that we will see food inflation come out of the recovery from COVID. Now, nobody knows exactly when that recovery is going to happen, but you know we know that at some point uh, there will be uh, a move up in consumer sentiment. 
coupled with the government stimulus packages, we could see food inflation. And, you know, that, you know, will have some strong underpinning for gen- in general for commodity prices. So the medium to longer term um, looks pretty good. And of course, if we can get on the back of uh, a good season now and La Nina coming through another good start to the season next year in Australia, then, you know, Australian grain producers are going to be fairly optimistic about what's ahead. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether we do get the case of food inflation happening here or whether it's just the global impact of some of our key markets that we see it, you know, pushing up prices in the medium to long term. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point, Liv, that um, Australia really, Australian consumer is really quite insulated in terms of food costs because we're such a big producer and, and, we're, so, and we're a net exporter. But other countries aren't so fortunate. So they're going to, um, if, if they're going to sort of have customers come out and really stomp up the supermarket aisles and, and look for product, then not only do you see um, prices go up, but you see those, um, the bargains disappear. And, and so that all contributes to higher prices. All right, let's take a quick break there, Rob, and thank this week's podcast sponsor. Have you ever had that feeling in your tummy when you haven't eaten all day? and it's just rumbling and grumbling, then you go to the fridge and darn it, there's nothing in it. Well, here's the key to beating the empty fridge blues. Be prepared, think ahead. What should I have this week? Steak, lamb? Why not head over to Cleaver's Organics website and check out their range of certified organic beef, lamb and chicken products. Order online for home delivery. What else have they got here? Organic beef jerky? Yeah, I wouldn't mind trying that. Cleaver's Organic Meats come from Aussie farming families. Cleaver's Organics, from families to families. Thanks for sponsoring our podcast this week and don't forget to check them out. Now back to the latest agricultural market trends from the team at Mercado. And what about the fibre market, Rob? What have we seen in wool in the recent weeks? Well, it's almost like the wool market's doing the Macarena or the uh, Mexican hat dance, you know, it's one or two steps forward and one step back this week. I mean, after the Cup Day, we didn't sell on Tuesday this week because it was a Cup Day, uh, Melbourne Cup in uh, in Victoria. But when it opened on Wednesday, it, it just went crazy. You know, it was fantastic to see the market lift. And as we've commented before, one of the things we know when the market is good is that growers really sell into it. The passing rates drop away. Uh, in fact, I think it was down to about 2%. Only 400 bales were unsold or passed in on the Wednesday. And Western Australia had the lowest pass-in percentage, which I can't remember that ever happening. So that was great. But then on Thursday, we saw, you know, everyone drew breath and and took some stock of what had happened and the market gave back some of that. So it didn't give it all back um, and the passing rate went up, of course, um, and, but it didn't get, so the passing rate for the week was 9%, whereas on Wednesday it was just 2%. But um, it's interesting that we're looking though that these these rises were generally right across the board. And since we've been talking a little bit, Liv, about the September low when we saw in the first week of September the market now looks like it found its its lowest point for the season, the way things are going, although, you know, always touch wood when you say something like that. But uh, since then, the Easter market indicator has risen 
in 10 weeks. I mean, it's just terrific. And not just impacting on the merino types, the crossbred wools have really done well also. And I had a look today, the 28 micron crossbred as in, as just as one example, has risen 50% in 10 weeks. So, and, and you know, there's been reasonable volumes going through. We're selling a little bit more wool than this time last year. So it tells us that there is underlying demand. And, and I guess that's a result of, of China, uh, the economy in China being further advanced than the rest of the world and their demand for raw product coming through and impact on the wool market. So, um, so that's, that's the wool. What, what are you seeing? And I know you're going to talk about livestock a bit, Liv. What's, uh, what's the topic for you this week? Um, well, we'll cover off on, on sheep this week, Robin. One of the things that we've been looking at lately is the flow of sheep from WA to the east. So it's, it's no secret that producers with drought-depleted flocks on the east coast have been hauling all sorts of categories of sheep across the Nullarbor this year because there's been such dry conditions over in the west. And obviously, we've had a cracking season and people are looking to restock in the east. But We've actually had record numbers moving from West to East. So there was uh, one and a half million head that made the trip across just from January to September, which is quite extraordinary considering how low the flock is. So it's really been a win-win case where, you know, you have a really bad season on the West and we're lucky to have that diversity where the, the East Coast can pick up demand and support prices if you're looking at a 24 kilogram ewe that's you know about 115 dollars at the moment in the west and and look across to the east where they're going for 155 that freight cost of around 35 dollars a head just makes it all worthwhile so that wa has been supported by those in the east this year yeah so i know jamie lee had a look at that this week in her article um which which it we've got to be very grateful for this whole situation where if, if the West was in a dire situation and the East Coast wasn't booming, then prices wouldn't be where they are. So, uh, and the other thing I think is, is very valuable for the sheep industry is that these sheep, by and large, are going from breeders in the West to breeders in the East. So even though the Western Australian flock might be getting depleted by 1.5 million, the net effect is that the Australian flock is, is holding. And as you know, we need that so, Liv, the other, the other factor that's driving some of this um, reduction of sheep numbers in WA is that there's is stock water, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're really reliant on that stock water over in WA and it's been a long time now since they've really had those, those full supplies, which is why we're seeing so many sheep being offloaded over there. So it's a really important thing that they've been able to offload that stock over to the east. Well, it's been great to chat, Liv. Thank you. No, thanks very much, Rob. And thank you for listening to this episode of, of Commodity Conversations. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it around and leave us a review. And remember, there's plenty more detailed content and analysis on the Mercado website if you're looking for more details. So please be sure to check it out. All right. Enjoy your weekend and we'll talk to you again next week.
This podcast was brought to you by the team at Mikado. Audio production by David Myers. Thank you for listening in and see you next week.